You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a great show planned for you today. And that's because our guest, James Amraka, who is the CEO of EndResponse, is going to be talking not only about this firm, but also his penchant for early stage companies and his experience with that. So, James, welcome to the program today. Thank you for having me, CTO, but thank you for having me. You're welcome. So um, you, you've been with EndResponse for a little over eight months now. I'm wondering, uh, what was the original motivation for you to join this firm? Sure. So um, the, the company's been around for a number of years uh, before that, and and I was working closely with our CEO um, James McPhail at a uh, another startup, and uh, we're involved in the energy space. Um, we we find ways for sites to save energy, and uh, I guess what drew me to response was um, being able to obviously save energy and and make an impact on things like climate change, um, save and make customers money, but do that in a technical technological automated sense. So um, being in the technology CTO, uh, building out a platform that allowed us to connect to customers and automate load shift and, and savings, um, really bridging, uh, you know, clean and topical things as well as technology today, uh, definitely dreaming in. So in your relationship with the firm and now being with them for well, coming on a year, uh, any pivots in the business? Any lessons learned from that time? Absolutely. Um, so to date, we're a completely bootstrapped um, company startup. Uh, this time last year, we had three employees, and now we're at you know mid twenties. Mm. Uh, so that alone, last year has been a huge um, learning curve, personally, professionally, of ramping up teams and you know expanding markets across the country and, and so on. Um, Pivots. Um, we've had a had a definitely a good you know vision and idea from day one, having been in and around the industry and understanding the pain points. But definitely, as you dig into uh, customer needs, you know, working with larger customers, working with more customers, more utilities across the country, you really get into you know what's that core need of how can I save energy or what is that technical connection with a, a partner or a customer and from there, definitely guiding the roadmap or guiding which market we expand to next or which person or company should we partner with next. Um, no major pivots, but absolutely, you know, keeping an eye on our quarterly or yearly roadmaps, revenue targets, hiring plans has has, has been a huge uh, learning curve for myself. So, James, you, you started to describe the firm, but maybe we could just spend a little bit of time and ask you to go a little deeper on what it is exactly EndResponse does. What's the service and benefit? Sure. So uh, EndResponse started life as a demand response aggregator um, about five to six years ago. And demand response is uh, on the saving energy side. So Orange County, Orange County podcast here, a major utility being Southern California Edison. Uh, SCE would have a bucket of money to either build new power plants to keep up with people and businesses coming into the area, or they can use that money to pay customers to shut down their uh, heating and cooling or pumping loads and, and save energy. So we're on the save energy side. Um, 
we take positions in the market or we partner with SCE to go out and find customers who can shut down their load when SCE or when the grid needs it most. So this is, you know, at high expensive uh, price points within the market. It could be at 7 o'clock at night, everybody's come home and turned on their AC. And mm. instead of preventing a blackout, we try and have controlled shutdowns of, of specific sites, you know, a surgical shutdown, if you will, and, and ultimately pay the customer to uh, help the grid stability in that way. Um, and, and why can't SCE or other utilities do this without you? Yeah, so, I mean, we there's different market constructs. So whether we are... Uh, typically how demand response or energy programs had run uh, over the last, say, 15 years in California um, and across the country um, has been physically calling up um, locations. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's calling large Sorry. pumping loads or manufacturing facilities and saying, hey, Joe, can you please shut down this site? But people, you know, have to walk around and adjust the thermostat and turn things off. With the advent of technology today, you know, we can connect two thermostats, we can connect two pumping sites, uh, we can, you know, and so on. We can turn all these things off in a controlled manner. So uh, companies like SCE um, work with us to, we're on the hook, we go out and find those loads, we automate the loads, we work with our customers, you know, your local hardware store, your local makeup store to uh, understand what can they shut down at the site. So I can give two degrees of temperature adjustment uh, and not just shut down the store and, and lose my uh, fridges and freezers at a supermarket. You, you want to make sure that things are, are still comfortable and, and, and not um, stale. So it sounds a little bit like the IoT aspect of what you do is it has been a kind of enabling technology for you and for end response. Absolutely. So I mean, it was a very big driver for us to have set up our platform uh, from day one. So today we have about... Uh, 20,000 locations across the country connected to our platform. And I said, these are small sites, you know, from a, a local fast food outlet, um, a supermarket all the way up to a, a massive city and pumping water district, industrial loads. And being able to use IoT, the cloud connected things and the, the cost effectiveness of integrating software rather than phone calls or installing hardware or other expensive metering on site, has allowed us to expand rapidly over the past year and two years in particular um, and gain, you know, massive uh, penetration across different utility markets from New York and into uh, California and Texas and various other regions, all from the comfort of an office in, uh, in Costa Mesa, Orange County. So, James, I know you're the CTO, but I'm wondering, because as you explain your business model, I see you actually have two clients, one is the specific utility and partnering with them and then two are their customers and and getting them to buy into the value proposition so from your experience and your firm's experience can you share a little bit about how you go to market do you in each various market because sure. us is a large country and there's a lot of utilities that are dropped around the country so Sure. Uh, demand response is a very interesting uh, sales and business model because we're uh, taking money or, you know, receiving money from the utility to pay our customer, the hardware store. We're, we're not asking people to pay us as such. And so from that perspective, it's a really great business to be in because it's a, it's a quick win to get into the door. Um, every utility is different, right? Southern California is different to Con Ed in New York, is different to 
you know, Southern Company or, or so on in, in Georgia. Um, and overlaying technology. So number one, each of those utilities, we're bridging into our platform to try and automate what that message is, you know. 2 p.m. please shut down your supermarket is different from 2 p.m. shut down your, your pumping station. And then connecting that to a, a national customer or a mid-market regional customer to be able to, we work with those customers at the other end that if typically utility will say, we need a six hours of curtailment of energy savings, we might bucket and slice up that event into six one-hour events so that a makeup store participates the first hour and, and the hardware store in the second and third hour and so on. So we're taking what is typically been a uh, very aggressive uh, energy saving model from utilities and and overlaying, as you said, IoT and technology to try to make it palatable for um, new customers or controlled load that's out there today. So, so um, how do you, without getting into confidentials of your income statement, but how does end response make money and profit? Sure. I mean, you know, there's no secret that from a demand response perspective, it's we're on the hook for some load from a utility. There's a rev share type agreement that typically comes with the customer at the other side. Um, but then, you know, there's different other models depending on if we're bidding it into the market, if there's a other platform, uh, we license out our platform to other uh, aggregators or other mm -hmm. control providers out there. So we've developed a lot of good core IP um, from a technology perspective that others would find valuable in modules or other areas. And, um, yeah, we license that. We, we have strong partnerships with Samsung SmartThings, for example, or other mm -hmm. control providers to provide them this utility connection rather than a, them build, you know, them build it themselves. We license what we have today. So you said earlier in the interview, the company's gone from three or so employees a year ago to, I think you said 30, is that almost 30 we're getting there so something must be working in the business model for you for you all to be comfortable bringing on that level of payroll what is it that's changed in a year that's enabled that type of growth from a headcount perspective either something's changed or we're all crazy um <laughs> no so i mean it's just from all of us as a core management team and and a, i guess a founding team to um you know, have gone from a, a side project, a weekend project, to really committing to wanting to do this both, you know, from an interest perspective, from a, you know, financial comfort perspective, but a, from a, I guess, as a, a clean and green perspective as well of wanting to make a difference for, you know, our kids and grandkids too. And um, having that, I guess, moral view and, and you know, financial uh, view that allows us to throw ourselves into the company a year or so ago, um, full time, um, and then understand work backwards. What does that mean? We need an energy markets person. We need more accounts and sales. Mm -hmm. We need so then developing our sales channels to a point where we're comfortable to increase, increase. Um, it obviously comes with its challenges. Um, absolutely, we we work long hours. Um, we you know for a long time we haven't slept or had weekends and things like that. And that's obviously the risks of being in a a small startup, but as well, you know, personally love doing it and um, yeah, happy, happy to take on those challenges. It's, it's really interesting because the, um, the, the, the business that you described this entrepreneurial spirited business then is getting married to maybe some of the most regulated utilities who don't maybe aren't seen for being innovative, at least 
historically. And so I'm, I'm wondering how those two cultures get to mesh between wh where you guys are and how your clients historically have operated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a big picture perspective, right, we've just come through COVID and we're working in, in between the most essential and regulated businesses, right, the electricity company and a water company, the electricity company in a supermarket. And these are the most essential businesses. And while at a top level, um, these are regulated and obviously for a reason, once you actually, you know, similar to chatting to your customers and finding that product market fit, once you chat to the utility or the energy managers at a supermarket or whatever it is, they have their pain points and understand, you know, hey, if you use this process this way, if you connect to us this way, if you send the message to us this way, then we're able to enact change at a, at a store or a location in a really non-disruptive way. Um, we do fall, you know, in a lot of regulatory periods. Every utility has deadlines, whether it's monthly or yearly. There's, you know... Uh, submissions that we have to make to check all the boxes and and settle and and so on at the start or, or end of a program year but you know innovation then comes from can i do that in a more automated sense can i take those again phone calls and turn them into iot type signals can i take the settlements and uh, bulk upload and and uh, do the me measurement and verification with the utility in a way that other people haven't done that before so trying to find you know, the process innovation is also a big part of, of working in this business. It's interesting. Why can't in why can't the utilities provide the level of electricity that's required by their clients at this point? I mean, there's different reasons, right? Um, I don't think it's a nefarious thing that they're trying to, you know, enact power outages because typically their employees obviously live in their areas too. <laughs> um but generally, you know, there's different challenges. Texas last year was a really great example. Yes. Uh, it, was, it was a perfect storm, to, to use the pun there, but of, of Hurricane Uri came in and why Texas has been going to a much more renewable uh, energy base load, um, every, you know, they had very cold temperatures which uh, froze gas lines and water lines, which means the gas station was off. And the wind, uh, the temperatures were so cold that the wind... Uh, generation was frozen and there was no cloud so there's no solar so there are all these edge cases where again we're on the save energy side so we have limited capacity of our grid we planned as much as we could and you know in some instances you have a retrospective and we can plan better but we're as in response being on the save energy side do our little bit to try and help and make use of the uh, the best use of the resources that are available to the grid at any time so you have an entrepreneurial spirit looking back, getting to know you a little bit better, seeing kind of companies that you've been interested in working with. You've had a, worked in a number of startups. Tell me and the audience, from your perspective, what's the attraction of these early stage companies for you? The, I think the attraction is both the, the, the detraction and disappointment as well. Um, all the areas, you know, personally, I'm a very generalist person. I, I started life as an engineer, but have a general interest in electronics and software and, you know, how that relates to, uh, you know, people and what's the consumer behaviour at the other side of it. I enjoy then going because of that, it leads into a sales conversation and account management and then looping that through to a design spec. And, you know, having such a varied day um, and a varied uh, career path, uh, is for me the attraction of doing a little bit of everything um, f 
from now going from an engineer in, as a startup to a CTO, it's always the, the goal of can I do this? Can we do this? Can we grow from three people to 23 and sustain, you know, a business good enough to support 23 families? Um, can we, you know, fit within this regulatory and find the whole, as you, you know, as I was saying before, in that strict regulatory framework to expand the customer base? Um, all of those things is very challenging as well. You can, from a startup, you can have your best conversation in the morning and your worst conversation in the afternoon. And uh, there's definitely, whether it's a, a personal problem, but, you know, enjoying that roller coaster as well is by far the biggest challenge and, and I think as well success to get to, to, you know, where we are today. So I can't help but notice a slight accent in your voice. Hope you don't mind me picking up on that. But I'm That's wondering... Fine. How long have you been in the States and how long have you been in Orange County in particular? Yep. So uh, I came to, I'm Australian, uh, born in Australia. I uh, came to uh, Orange County, uh, Newport Beach, uh, five, almost six years ago with my wife. She's also Australian. Um, for another company at the time who I was working with, um, Zen, we made thermostats for heating and cooling systems. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, always lived in uh, Orange County, um, for that period of time. And, um, yeah, it's a really good balance of life, being able to have access to head offices of head companies, you know, Taco Bell and, you know, all these, all these great companies are headquartered in Orange County. Um, but at the end of the day, I can, you know, behind me is the surfboard. I don't use it very much now. I'm not very good. But you can go <laughs> for a surf before and after work and still have a fulfilling engineering career as well, which is great. So from one person's perspective, from your perspective, how is your role, business, early stage companies, are there differences from what you've observed and lived having done that in Australia and now here for the past five years in the States? Um, definitely, I think from a goals and, you know, personal perspective, um, you know, professional perspective, I guess. Uh, the market size of the U.S. is, is huge. Um, every customer site number has an extra zero on the end. Every deal size, every number of users is, is much bigger. Um, South Australia um, is, I think, our third most populous state has like a, in Australia, has 1.2 or 1.5 gigawatts of total energy, right? Um, in response, as a platform, has 2 to 3 gigawatts of uh, load under management and that's just with a few national accounts across those you know 20,000 sites so to be in a startup that has in essence more connected load than an entire state of Australia um, is is amazing um, particularly to be in California um, and work in Texas and other areas where it really is at the forefront of uh, energy conservation or bridging technologies to you know uh, improve the reliability of the grid uh, I think is is a great career um, move personally um, what, for one day if I do return back to Australia. So I can't help but also pick up on the passion from which you talk about what you're doing at response. And so I'm wondering from your perspective on the C-suite as a CTO, what's tomorrow hold for your firm? What's the vision for the future? Sure. I mean, it's it's once you're connected, always, you know, as I said before, connecting to the customer and talking to the customer, un understanding their pain points. And a little bit of that is, you know, different technology paths and opening up new programs and energy saving constructs. But uh, as well, just from a business perspective, you know, trying to grow our, 
our, our bottom line of and doing that in either turning on more sites, um, expanding new programs into different states, uh, uh, you know, connecting to different utilities, further automation to makes all of our lives easier uh, as we get bigger. Um, so there's definitely external and customer facing things as well as those internal uh we're growing as a startup. We need to, you know, improve our processes and so on. So there's definitely uh, a lot of excitement in those things. Well, I have appreciated you giving a piece of your time because I, I sense how busy you are and the demands that are on your time. If someone would like to connect with you directly or learn more about InResponse, how do they connect with you and find out more about your firm? Sure, nresponse.com uh, or just on my LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, James Maraca at LinkedIn. And yeah, happy to answer any questions or, or chat to anyone who's interested. Well, I've enjoyed learning a little bit, a little bit about what it is that is your value proposition. And I appreciate what your firm is doing um, to help save energy and create a more efficient culture here in the United States. Appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. And, and thanks for inviting me. And I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Uh, James's episode was episode number 1,358. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you'd like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn. Reach out to me as Rick Franzi or visit my website, rickfranzi.com, and we can have a chat and possibly get you on a future episode. But until the next time, we all have a chance to be together. I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.